Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show here live at CPAC, National Harbor, Maryland. WILK News Radio. Um, I'm truly honored as, as we're moving him in. As we're moving him in now, uh, I'm truly honored to bring in my next guest, uh, Gordon Chang. Gordon Chang is the author of The Coming Collapse of China, uh, The Great U.S.-China Tech War, and the just-released China is Going to War, and a CPAC board member. Gordon, thanks for joining the Rob O'Donnell Show. Oh, well, thank you, Rob. It is so great to be here. Yeah, you were on last year with us. Uh, you know the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre area very well. You, you transverse it quite often. That's right. But um, Lydia, Lydia is my wife. Her parents live in Toronto. We live in Bedminster, New Jersey. And the way to get there is to go up and down 81. So, yeah, we pass by the exit for the Joe R. Biden Expressway. <laughs> we laugh every time because we know that in a year or so, they're going to be so embarrassed that they got to rename it and take down the signs. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, we, 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 we <laughs> a lot of people in Northeast Pennsylvania hope the same thing. There has been talk about it, but we'll see what happens. But as this administration spins further and further down... Oh, my gosh. I mean, this is an administration that has took a peaceful world from Trump and has turned it into chaos. And what we're facing now is, I think, the most dangerous moment in history. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, it was the Cuban Missile Crisis of 62 or the Checkpoint Charlie Crisis of the year before. But no, we know from the archives, Rob, that neither Kennedy nor Khrushchev were willing to use their nukes. We don't know that now about Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping. And so really we're facing two adversaries who think that they can bluff with their nuclear weapons. And that is exceedingly dangerous. And we're seeing where China's making its aggressive moves off its shores now, off the areas around it, throughout the Pacific. But they're also watching U.S.'s response in things like Ukraine, in the Red Sea, in with, with with Israel and Hamas, uh, we're playing out to change their strategy in real time. Yeah, and and we're not doing a very good job of it too, especially because we have so much more power. You got to look at Ukraine and Israel as proxy wars. China greenlighted Russia's invasion of Ukraine, supported Russia's war effort from the very beginning. It's doing the same thing with Iran. Um, you know, Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthi militias, they all have large quantities of Chinese weapons. China supports Iran with these increased elevated oil purchases. There's propaganda support. There's diplomatic support from Beijing. Um, and they're just the it, people, you know, Xi Jinping is looking at how we react to this. And although we have overwhelming power, they, I think, are heartened by our failure to keep the peace. There was a great summit here Wednesday night, the, the first international summit at CPAC. I, I was privileged to attend. You were one of the hosts, so one of the main speakers at it at the roundtable discussion. You had members from South Korea. You had members from Japan. You had members from Israel, from Hungary. For, I think Mercy Schlapp said 20, more than 20 nations were there. But I, I want to key in more on South Korea, on Japan, on places you've worked hand-in-hand -hand with, with, with the China Initiative and seeing what's going on there. Um, there's there's a there's real threats there, and something really stuck out at me from the the gentleman from South Korea, who he said, "We know now that Donald Trump getting elected stopped the war with North Korea and South Korea." Yes, that was Morse Tan, um, who in the Trump administration was actually an ambassador at large, and now he's at Liberty College. Um, Morse, you know, made the point, you know, 
we have um, what's kept the peace in the Korean Peninsula has been the South Korea-U.S. Mutual Defense Treaty. And conservatives in South Korea know that. But uh, oftentimes in South Korea, basically you have these progressive left-wing governments. They basically alternate between conservatives and progressives in the presidency. And the progressives are pro-North Korea. And that's really dangerous. Um, so we, Morse and I had a conversation about how conservatives can bolster the treaty. Because the treaty has kept the peace. And Trump kept the peace when he was there. Regardless of all the rhetoric of him meeting the North Korean yeah, I mean, leader. This is really interesting. I didn't like the outreach to Kim Jong-un. But I have to say that it was successful because really what we had was four years of peace. We had four years of peace in Ukraine. We had four years of peace in the Middle East. What do we have now? We have the world falling apart. And we have Kim Jong-un actually... Um, is perhaps thinking of invading South Korea. To me, that that is sort of like, I can't believe it, but two American scholars, Robert Carlin and Siegfried Hecker, wrote a, a landmark article in January saying that Kim Jong-un has now made the strategic decision to go to war. And that has really divided Korea experts. But the point is, they very well may be right, and we very well may be at war in Korea um, and, and that is just, in addition to the problems in Taiwan, Japan, the Philippines, it is just such a dangerous area right now. You look at that treaty that you speak of, decades long, that's, that's kept peace in that region, and then you look at what they call sometimes an agreement with Taiwan, uh, you know, our promise to Taiwan. Is there that same deterrence there or no? Um, well, there hasn't been war across the Taiwan Strait, but deterrence is breaking down. And we see this really most clearly in the Philippines. We also have a mutual defense treaty with the Philippines. We have one with South Korea, Japan, Australia, Philippines. In the Philippines, China's been engaging in very belligerent activities. The State Department, under Biden, has issued warnings that the U.S. is prepared to use force against China to discharge our obligations under that mutual defense treaty. On October 22nd, President Biden, when he was welcoming the Australian Prime Minister of the White House, gave that same warning orally. But despite all of these warnings about we are prepared to go to war, the Chinese have just blown past those warnings and they're continuing belligerent conduct, which means, and I know there's a long way of getting to it, but it means that deterrence has broken down with regard to the Philippines. If it's broken down with regard to the Philippines, you can be sure it's broken down with regard to your question, Taiwan. And then you see the military aggression that's happening there against us, against our military, harassing of our P-8 surveillance planes, harassing of our E-2T Delta, unarmed Navy surveillance planes, uh, harassment and, and even not allowing United States Coast Guard vessels to port in some of the islands you talk about. Yeah, and, and what's happened is, um, and, and here's just a little bit of history. Um, on May 26 of uh, 2022, um, China um, engaged an Australian unarmed reconnaissance plane, and the Chinese did something for the first time in history. They fired flares, but they also released chaff, aluminum based meant to confuse radar. That chaff got ingested into one of the engines of the Australian P-8 reconnaissance plane, 
and that plane, you know, fortunately was able to make it back to base. On May 20, I say that May 26, 2022, because on May 26, 2023, on the one-year anniversary, they go after one of our reconnaissance planes. The Chinese remember dates. And and stick to them, and they, they, they use them purposefully. Yeah, a lot of people and, in America don't understand to send that. a warning, and right now we have to be concerned that China, you know, one of these accidents goes wrong. And, you know, China right now can't deal with the international community in a responsible manner because now only the most hostile answers are considered to be acceptable in Beijing. Now, it, it, it seems like it's old news here, but it's truly not because it's still at our forefront. The, the balloons that were over America from China. In Taiwan, they're releasing dozens upon dozens, hundreds across the whole island of Taiwan. What's the purpose other than obvious surveillance and you know yeah, getting well, as much intel as they, they can? Is it just harassment? It's harassment. It's intimidation. It's, it's sort of like a, a claim of sovereignty that we can release these balloons, and that's over our own territory is the Chinese view. Um, but, you know, no Chinese regime has ever had indisputable sovereignty to Taiwan, not even Chiang Kai-shek. Because the San Francisco Treaty, which ended most aspects of World War II, did not confer that sovereignty on the nationalist government. And the People's Republic, of course, has never exercised sovereignty over Taiwan. And, you know, to the extent that a Chinese dynasty ever controlled Taiwan, it was the Qing dynasty. The Chinese did not consider the Qings to be Chinese. So, you know... The reading of the People's Republic about Taiwan is like 100% wrong history. But it doesn't really matter because that's what Beijing is telling the Chinese people, and that is creating the conditions for war. Again, I'm speaking with Gordon Chang. He's one of the foremost experts on China, CPAC board member. Gordon, i got to take a short break. Can you stick with me for another five minutes? Absolutely. This is too much fun. It's great to have you. It's Rob O'Donnell here live at CPAC on WILK News Radio. We'll be back after the news with Nancy Kamen, who's in for Paul Michael.